0: So last week, I introduced the idea that whenever we're dealing with people at the top of whatever industry they're in, be it self-storage or any other industry, that when you're dealing with people at the top level of their game, and you're talking about breakthroughs they had to get there, you're not hearing much about tactics and strategies that they use. What you're hearing more about is the mindset shifts that they had. And then I introduced the idea that if you're raising money or getting in the fundraising business to do yourself storage deals, I suggested there's three main mindset shifts that need to occur. And we talked last week about the first one. Today, I want to talk about number two. My name is Mark Helm. I'm the author of Creating Wealth Through Self Storage, and I'm the creator of the Quick Start Academy, which is designed to take you from wherever you are all the way to putting your first or your next self storage facility into service. You can find out more about the Quick Start Academy boot camp that we offer at creatingwealththroughselfstorage.com. But I want to talk today about. Mindset shift number two. Last week, I suggested that if you're going in the fundraising business, that the first mindset shift you, I suggest is you shift from I'm a storage person or I'm a real estate person raising money to do deals to I am a fundraiser. Sounds subtle but there's a world of difference. When you're a fundraiser, your attention's on different things than if you just happen to be raising money to do a deal. If you didn't watch the first episode in this series, you can click, if you're watching on YouTube, at the end of this video, go back and watch it, or there'll be a link below. But I wanna talk about a real important mindset shift I think needs to occur and not just for fundraisers but anybody dealing in the business world where they're stepping up their game and going from one point to another and that's your relationship with money what is your relationship with money does raising two million dollars sound like a lot of money to you look it's a huge topic I could literally write a book on it, but I want to cover it in this episode in some very general terms. I'm going to suggest there's three different approaches we can take towards beginning to alter our relationship with money. Now many of us have really strange ideas about sex and money. We're not going to be dealing with sex in this episode, unfortunately, but we're going to be dealing with money. And many of us grew up in environments where, literally, the people that we model after, whether we knew it or not, had a survival relationship with money. Now I've studied a little bit of neuroscience, I'm obviously not an expert of any type, but I work with investors, so I thought it would be important to to kind of come at this money idea from a lot of different angles. And one thing I've learned is for human beings, not just investors, but any human being, when they the fear of losing your money or the actual of uh, losing your money or not having enough money, occurs, the way the brain, the synapses in the brain fires, it's literally the same connections that would fire if uh, you're in physical danger, if a tiger's charging you or you're being robbed. It's the same synapses connected. What happens is it it creates the fight or flight syndrome. So even though I'm working with a, quote, sophisticated investor, if he's fearful or she's fearful that they're losing their money, what's occurring physiologically is it's a life and death situation. We might intellectually know that, you know, I'm not going to die, but that's not what's going on in the body. So many of us were raised in environments where that there wasn't a lot of money. And people in our environment were in a survival mode constantly around money. And then we go out into the business world. Many of us, when when we became young adults, we didn't have a lot of money. So many of us were in survival mode around money. Now, we never distinguish this, but that's what's going on. And what's interesting is, for a lot of human beings, that becomes the normal relationship with money. Our thoughts and our brains create a chemical reaction and no matter what the chemical reaction, whether it's dopamine for pleasure things, whether it's cortisol in the fight and flight, we become literally Addicted to it. It becomes our normalcy. It becomes our standard operating mode when we're dealing with money. And some people consci- unconsciously will create situations so they can get back to that normal way of feeling when it comes about money. We may say we want to do X, Y, and Z, and create X, Y, and Z in our life, which requires money. But at some level, we tend to always go back to the level that we're comfortable with, unless we consciously begin to break that cycle. So if you have not consciously begun to examine your relationship with money, I suggest you do, no matter what you think it is there's real power in distinguishing any limiting thoughts and beliefs that you have around money why well because whatever is unconsciously regulating our behavior and our belief systems will control the day and by consciously distinguishing any limiting thoughts it's not bad to find them it's actually good because now you have control not the unconscious thoughts most of us were raised to believe at some level or another that money is a scarce commodity and that if i have it someone else that means someone else doesn't have it and many of us were raised and believe whether we acknowledge it or not that money's bad Now, we might intellectually say, no, I don't believe that. But the conversation we were born into at this time and in this Western world with some of the religious teachings that are out there is that money is the root of all evil. Now, you might not consciously accept that, but I invite you to look in your life and see where that might be true. And many people believe I mean, I talk with them daily that if you're extremely wealthy, that means most likely you've screwed people over and you're a bad person. So some of us are even conflicted, like trying to create wealth on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, can't have too much because then I might not be a good person. Now, all this is occurring at a very unconscious level and very few of us are dealing with this at a conscious level, but I invite you just to take a look for yourself. not trying to get you anywhere. So how do you begin to create a new relationship with money? I'm going to suggest three ways here this morning. Way number one is to look at any limiting beliefs you have. Write them down. Very often, what you say Reflects what's really going on underneath. Money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I'm made of money? What are some of the things you say to people around you, yourself, your children, that reflect a scarcity consciousness, not that you created, but literally were born into it? So, number one, look at what are the limiting beliefs that you may have around money. Distinguish what you may say, what was said to you as a child, and begin to get those out. And not like you're trying to get away from them, but just there's real power in owning them. Because once you own it, then, and only then, can you make a conscious decision to disregard that. If you're not sure what you're disregarding, it's still in the unconscious and still driving the bus. Number two, I have found a good way in any area of life to begin to change what I believe is to act my way into that change. Not only distinguish what limiting beliefs I have, but act almost like act as if, almost I'm not going to say fake it, but fake it. Do you think raising $2 million is a lot of money? There was a time when $100 was a lot of money. Or $10,000 was a lot of money to you. And now I congratulate you. If you're at the stage where you got to raise $2 million and it seems overwhelming, you've upped your game. But you know there are some people where $2 million might occur like a drop in the bucket. Let's say that you have uh, um, a minimum your your attorneys advise you you ought to take not less than fifty thousand dollars from any single investor that's your minimum amount and that just seems over the top to you. Well my suggestion is start hanging with people where a hundred they're raising a hundred or two hundred and fifty thousand dollar minimums. Start being around people who are at a higher level than you and relate to money differently than you do. Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins' mentor, used to say, I can tell you your net worth if I can see the five people you spend the most time with. I can also tell you your character if I see the five people you spend the most time with. One of the things I consciously did was i started hanging around people with much higher net worth than me and i started to you know i joined country class country clubs i started seeing with people who had high net worth how they began to relate to money now i didn't necessarily immediately get alter within a week my relationship with money but I began to see people at a different level than me what their relationship to it was how they behaved around it some things I liked, some things I didn't like but I consciously did that and now when I first got going 25,000 seemed like a very high minimum to me, because that was my relationship to 25000 today it's 100000 Some deals we've had at 250000 The third way we can begin to alter our relationship with money, I may suggest, involves a conversation around integrity. Many of us have a very disempowering relationship with money, and I suggest that it's because we're out of integrity with money. Now, when I say integrity, the majority of the world hears good and bad. If I tell the truth, that's integrity. If I tell a lie, that's not integrity. Well, I'm not going to debate that. I just suggest that integrity, the way I'm suggesting you relate to it, has nothing to do with good and bad. Integrity has to do with workability. When something is workable and there's workability there, there's integrity. When there's no workability, the integrity has gone. So a bicycle wheel, when all the spokes are on the wheel and they're tight, there's integrity in that wheel and it will function. If the spokes are broken, half of them are gone, another quarter of them are loose, there's no integrity in that wheel. And odds are it isn't going to function properly so my suggestion is look at where you're out of integrity with money I look for where I'm out of integrity why because when I restore integrity there's power for me I'm not that interested in what's true what's not true I'm very interested in where there's power and no power for me and so in the area of money I'm constantly looking for and finding where I'm out of integrity with money. So, for example, how do you pay your bills? Do you pay your bills on time? Or are you late? Well, if you're late, not bad. You're out of integrity. Do you pay your credit card? Do you pay the full balance each month and before it's due? there's power there there that has integrity and you begin to develop a more powerful relationship with money Or your do you balance your checking accounts do you know how much money you have I'm surprised how many people just don't know what their net worth is don't know how much money they have in the bank nothing wrong with that not bad there's just not a lot of power there not a lot of power with money And if you're upping your game where money's going to play an important role, like fundraising, my suggestion is look for where you can restore integrity with money. Do you have life insurance policies? Are they current? Is there a nagging person you owe money to that you haven't paid? Look for where you're out of integrity. Anytime I'm upping my game in anything, I look for where I can restore integrity before I take on playing a bigger game. So I've given you three ways, there's many more, but but I suggest that if you're moving into the fundraising business, that you alter your relationship with money. Ultimately, what is money? Money is basically just an agreement we have at this particular moment in time about the value we place on something that doesn't really exist so we can exchange products and services. Really, only about 8% of the money has physical form. The rest of the world's money since we've gone off the gold standard, is just ones and zeros in some server somewhere. Money is ultimately just an agreement. And if you go a little bit deeper you'll see money is just energy. You know what else is just energy? Our thoughts. I can measure my thoughts. With an EEG machine. So if you want to alter your relationship with the energy of money. Begin with altering your thoughts about what money is. What it isn't. And what's scarce and what's abundance. So I invite you to really dive into the world of money on your own alter your relationship to it. It's a never ending process. It's one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur. We get to, we get the opportunity to constantly be reflecting, improving ourselves so that we can play a bigger game in the world. Ultimately for me, that's where I get the fulfillment and get the juice up. So I hope this sets you on a course And I hope you have fun with it. Next week, we're going to talk about mindset shift number three. And we're actually going to have a conversation about imposter syndrome. I look forward to being with you then. Thanks a lot.